Welcome to this episode of the Nothing Ventured Primer with me, Arish Shah. In these Primer episodes, we explore the insights and backgrounds of our guests to give you a bit of an idea of what they've been up to and how they got involved in the tech and venture ecosystem. Enjoy. This season of Nothing Ventured is sponsored by Odin. Odin helps angels, VCs, and founders to raise and deploy capital seamlessly. You can structure your SPVs and now run your funds, handle capital calls, portfolio management more smoothly and easily in one place. Founders use Odin to raise their entire round in a few clicks by simply sending investors a link and receiving investments immediately. Odin works with over 5,000 investors and over 150 emerging fund managers and angel syndicates globally. Head to joinodin.com to learn more. That's J-O-I-N-O-D-I-N.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nothing Ventured Primer with me, Arish Shah. Today, I have the most incredible guest with me in the studio. Uh, I am talking to Sam Benny. Sam is the founder of Platin, a platform that reimagines networking with advanced AI that curates your connections for meaning and value, unlocking networking's full potential. Prior to founding Platin, Sam was head of innovation at Tech Nation and had founded and exited multiple Deep Tech Ventures. Sam, so great to have you in the studio with me. Finally. <laughs> we made this happen. <laughs> yeah, it's been like a couple of months in the making for sure. Yeah. Let's dive straight in. So in the primer, obviously, we want to get a bit of a feel uh, for your background. So uh, for our guests, what was your first, uh, or for our audience rather, what was your first ever job? Very good question. Actually, not many people know that. Um, since I was a child, I always wanted to be a designer, right? Always. Yeah. And uh, the main reason for that is because like my father, um, so entrepreneur as well and however uh been very very hard to see him kind of like going through that entrepreneurial journey i saw him maybe like six months in my whole life right wow. because he always always around and doing something else and so i didn't want to be him right so i was a i wanted to draw and you know do some design work and um, i found my passion in really cause when I was a kid and I was like, I want to be a car designer one wow. day, right? So and I became really good at it when I was a kid. You know, when I was a teenager, I think it was like 13, 14. Um, I was like an amateur car designer. Amazing. And um, I had some opportunities to work with a few car companies. And that's where I ended up uh, doing some early uh, junior kind of like um, automotive design. And that was my first job, actually. That's yeah. that's ridiculous. Like most guests we have on, it's like McDonald's or like a supermarket. You went straight into designing cars. That's, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. And what did you do before you got into the tech and venture ecosystem, then? Yeah. So um, that's a that's a long story. You want to jump gonna, in right we're, now? We're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of this detail in the main right. podcast. But but okay. directly before, what were you doing? Uh, so before tech, um, well, I mean, I've always been to some extent involved in tech. But uh, before that, so I had like, you know, when I was a kind of like a teenager, I had a few kind of internships um, working on some, for example, e-commerce stuff like putting, um, you know, some mugs and some equipment on eBay and sell them and stuff like that. So that was pretty much like my my role before I got into tech. And I got into kind of like entrepreneurship when I was very young. Very and young. We'll, um, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that why exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think the why is really in interesting. So what triggered your move into building technology start startups? What was it that really kind of sparked your passion there? 
Uh, well, I always had an interest in uh, fu futurology, right? So one of the reasons I really got out of design work was that because uh, in automotive design, um, you know, I wasn't aware when I was a kid. I always loved to kind of like see some, I design something on, on a sketch it and I see it on the road. Yeah. But uh, soon I understood that actually from design to production, it takes between three to five years, mm. right? Imagine that, explaining this to a, you know, a 16, 17 year old, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And um, then I saw one of uh, my good friends who's been um, quite senior in automotive design. And, um, you know, I saw him that he wasn't really happy. And I said, like, in 20, 30 years time, I would be him. Mm -hmm. Would I like to be him? <laughs> I said, definitely no. <laughs> and um, then, unfortunately, which is a long story, we'll get to it. Um, some issues happen and... Um, and I came to UK and uh, then, you know, for lack of better options, I had to get into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like the typical kind of migrant story. Yeah. You have to, you have to be an entrepreneur yeah. to survive. And what do you reckon you'd be doing if you weren't in the venture ecosystem? I really thought about this. Um, you know, I think like, you know, I've got a bit of passion around um politics quite mm -hmm. frankly i think I, I would have been some sort of a politician also something we're going to get into i think yeah. when we talk a little bit later about tech nation but okay and so do you think like local politics or like uh nation sort of state politics what i would love to be you know on a national side but possibly i would have i mean depending uh, on my age but i would have gone for kind of like aiming for a bnmp or something like that amazing yeah. i mean it's great like you know i think so many of us are willing to kind of uh, talk about politicians negatively, but we don't necessarily think about the actual amount of work that goes into it. I think the amount of service that Massive. you actually essentially give. And, you know, realistically speaking, again, yes, their salaries are high in terms of, you know, what I guess the average or median uh, person would earn, uh, certainly here in the UK, but but actually they're, they're nowhere near as high as some, you know, business owners or leaders or, or whatever. Uh, so there's, you know, a huge amount of work, huge amount of sacrifice for Correct. essentially not a lot of love from the from the general population. It's true, as long as we're not talking about their second and third and fourth jobs. Well, of course, yeah, but, but that, <laughs> that might be getting far too uh, into, uh, uh, into the politics of it. Um, so let's talk about Platin, right? Yes. So what does it do? Why does it need to exist? And what stage are you at with it? Of course. So uh, after Tech Nation, and we'll dive a bit deeper later on the podcast about what happened, um, I was really on a journey of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, last time on my other venture, I lost all of my hairy matter of six months middle of pandemic, right? Oh, wow. It was a very tough to scale a company in middle of pandemic. So I, I, I didn't want to start another company, quite mm -hmm. frankly, with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had really uh, good opportunities coming my way from the venture side, uh, from the VC firms and so on. However, um, you know, there was an opportunity specifically around um, creating access, right? And um, it's really valuable for me because it connects with my personal mission, which is ultimately creating access and democratizing access for technological advancement across the world. This season of Nothing Ventured is proudly sponsored by Emerge One. Emerge One provides fractional CFO support to venture-backed tech startups and scale-ups. They work with businesses from C to Series B that have been backed by some of the UK, US and Europe's best venture capital funds. They provide support from capital allocation and management, KPIs and reporting, fundraising support, financial modeling, investor relations and investor management. Come check them out at emergeone.co.uk when you're scaling fast and have need of a CFO. And... Uh we had an opportunity here specifically around building a platform 
on on to be able to actually give access to networks across the globe. Because if you're looking at, looking to it right now, so for example, you and I right now we're in London, right? We've got people in San Francisco, people in New York, mm. Singapore. These are all physical locations that people have got like physical proximity to these networks. And therefore, as a society, we decided to put all of our eggs into 1% of the society. Mm. And therefore, out of this 1%, you've got individuals such as Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, um, and um, so on, right? Uh, and these individuals can innovate because they've got access to network, access to capital, access to talent, and so on. But these are 1% um, of the overall internet users, people, and 99% are losing out. Um, how do we know that actually the next Elon Musk is not actually in San Francisco, but in Chad or in Indonesia um, or in India, somewhere else, right? We don't know. Uh, but because we don't have don't, the discoverability, essentially. We don't, no. And, and they, don't, they don't know themselves, quite frankly, in sure. this case, because, um, um, you know, ultimately, they don't have access. They, they never become the person they're supposed to become. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of that whole thing about how many, you know, artists go undiscovered because they never exactly. picked up. Or how many, like, great flautists are out there that never picked up a flute, right? Uh, and and not only do they not have access, they don't have proximity, right? And or they or they are in situations where you know access and proximity w would be lovely, but it's, they've still got to put food on the table. Uh, you're spot on. I watched a documentary actually. I think is a great one. I recommend everyone to watch it. It's called Science of Success, mm -hmm. right? And it's all about. Uh, actually the artists and how artists become famous. Mm. And they've done a study in, in, in the university and they found out those uh, artists that are really famous is because they had a very good network. Yeah. And there were better artists around them, but they never became famous and yeah. because they didn't have a good network. It, it doesn't pay to be right. It pays to be first. Right? Exactly. It's kind of that sort of thing. And, yeah. and you see that, I think, not just in art, but I mean, even in venture, right? It, it is purely a relationship-driven game you know there are there are i mean i speak to founders all the time who don't have access to those networks have great products but for whatever reason have you know didn't have the relationships didn't have the knowledge and have probably you know put themselves at a disadvantage um whereas if they'd had those networks they probably would have done things slightly differently um and so what so so it, so from your perspective platinum needs to ex exist to kind of leverage or or, or um uh, or uncover even these, you know, these pockets of untapped skill and resource and, and entrepreneurship or whatever it might be, right? Absolutely. It's a dynamic system. So for us, it's all about uh, democratizing access, mm. right, for uh, all individuals who utilize our platform in this case. And um, in order to do that, we build interconnected uh, communities and networks, right? Because I spent a month in U.S., um, not long ago, and then from East Coast to West Coast, um, you see amazing companies, right? In New York, in Atlanta, in San Francisco, New Orleans, and so on. But these pockets of hubs are not connected in any shape or form, mm. not at all. We, I, sorry, I was, I was just going to say sorry to interrupt again. No but worries, please. We just had uh, Nathaniel Harding on the podcast. Uh, he's he's the GP at uh, Cortado Ventures mm -hmm. in Oklahoma. And, you know, he was describing they've just raised an $80 million fund. It is the it is the largest fund in Oklahoma, which, you know, if you think about it, $80 million is is like considered an emerging fund. I <laughs> That's think, right. By most people. Right. But but still, you know, incredible. But exactly that. It's like he, he's in a region which is untouched, unthought of. Everyone kind of flocks to the West Coast or the East Coast. No one thinks about these great swathes in the middle where there's so much stuff happening because there's just not enough interest. Right. Spot on. And for us, it's all about to create these interconnected networks, not just in the US, but across the globe. Yeah. And so what stage are you at with it? 
Well, it's yeah, we've been working on it for the past uh, five to six months. Oh. Uh, myself and my co-founder Brianna, and for the past two months, been kind of like scaling, scaling. Right, we've gone from like um, two, three of us to fifteen people for wow. the past two months. So it's, it's going well. It's going well. We've um, honestly, like, I looked into maybe more than six thousand companies in my previous job at Technation. Mm. Um, I'm biased, obviously, but uh, I think we've, we've built a, a class A team. Amazing. Um, so let's uh, switch tack a little bit. You are, as you said, you you have a real interest in futurology and futurism. Yeah. So let's talk about three technologies that you're really excited about right now. Uh, I'm guessing why. I, I'm guessing I know one of them at the very least. Uh, but yeah. Should I be boring AI? <laughs> <laughs> but what AI even is, right? So um, that's a big question that no one can really answer, yeah. right? Because where software ends and AI begins is a massive question that um, you know all the experts are fighting over. Um, but I would say ultimately, what I mean by AI here is that augmentation of intelligence of individuals, mm -hmm. right? That's really, really interesting for me, right? Mm -hmm. The democratization some people call of intelligence in this case, artificial intelligence. Uh, so AI for sure, uh, without any doubt. But also, I'm super, super, super hyped about quantum computing and quantum technology as a whole. I think if we combine quantum with machine learning, which is a which is a case is a quantum machine learning, QML, mm. and uh, dive a bit deeper, we're gonna answer many of our deepest questions about um, even our existence. Mm. And the third one, um, well, uh, it's it's all about convergence, right? Yeah. I think the third one I, I will reserve uh, in this case because, you know, obviously the, the answers would be like, oh, AR, VR, this, yeah, that, yeah. you know, blockchain. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, I have to say it's because this decade, I always said that in 2020s, yeah. we are in the decade of convergence. Yeah. And that means that the technologies are actually combined together to create a new one, right? So, for example, people are talking about metaverse. But metaverse is not really a technology. It's a convergence of AI, blockchain, and VR. VR. Yeah. And so I would say uh, I would reserve the third one to see what comes up. Yeah, like, I think that's a really that's a really smart smart answer. It's also a really cheeky one. Uh, one of the reasons I say that we've had Theo Priestley on the on the podcast uh, as well, uh, who is you know a professional futurist, and that, his his words exactly that is the convergence of these technologies that are going to take us to the next level. I mean, we've already seen the kind of platform shift with AI over the last sort of, you know, year, let's say. Uh, but as these technologies start intermingling, as the costs come down, as, you know, smart people start doing smarter things, and, and already we're seeing kind of like just the progress of even things like ChatGPT, where, you know, now they have the vision uh, sort of uh, tool where essentially, or image recognition, where they can essentially create code from a sketch, right? Like, I mean, that that is sort of, the stuff of absolute kind of science fiction or would have been, you know, even five, eight, ten years ago, right? But today it's kind of reality. Um, so, no, I love that. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think convergence is is probably going to lead to the next platform shift again. And I think we'll keep seeing these platform shifts. If you really think about the the, the last major platform shift, it really was mobile technology right? Absolutely. Like prior to this. Yes. Um, Sam, absolutely Awesome having you here in the studio with me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I cannot wait to get into the detail on some of this stuff in the main podcast. Super excited. 